1: Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Troche, and keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Bill, we have had, uh, who do we have, Ari, Ari Wasserman from The Athletic, we've had Mitch Light, We've had Joe Rex Road. We had athletic alum Matt Fortuna. Oh, yeah. Now we're welcoming in the CFB or the college football editor in chief and co host of the uh, Audible podcast, Stuart Mandel. Stu, thanks for making time for us. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. I know you and Bill probably crossed paths at a few national championship Mm -hmm. games here and there.
2: Yes. I missed. I was not down there last week. It sounds like you had a fun weekend. I uh, I will be making my first appearance at Notre Dame, Ohio State. We can get into that later.
3: I actually don't travel that much to games yes. anymore, but I did a double header the first weekend, and it worked out. You know, sometimes you do that, and the games don't live up to the hype. But it was uh, Colorado TCU, which was <laughs> about as shocking a, a football game as I've ever attended, and uh, and then LSU, Florida State, which was also surprising.
2: Well, if I could jump in right there, I mean, we're cashing in on that, like every other sports website, this Dion phenomenon, and you were there. Um, kind of the question we were posing around the office today is, how long does the wave last this year? I mean, you look at the back half of their schedule, a lot of ranked teams. Do you think it will peak at USC, or do you think this is here to stay for a while?
3: I think that those two games back to back, right, it's coming up at the end of the month. They're going to Oregon, they're playing USC. Those are going to be just enormous games, especially the, now that Shadur Sanders is starting to get buzz as I think Mel Kuyper said he's his number three uh, QB. Um, so imagine him against Bo Nix, him against Caleb Williams, like those are going to be events. And we've seen how many people tuned in to watch them against a bad Nebraska team. You know, imagine that now what happens in those games? Do they lose both? Do they get clobbered? That way I think would, decrease the buzz significantly but if they win one of them even just one of them right or if they're down to the wire shootout type classics I don't think that interest is going to go away I mean this is the most unique story to come through college football in a long time I think one of the reasons why is you guys cover the sport what was the number one complaint you've heard over the last ever since we went to the four-team playoff you guys all talk about the same teams over and over again Alabama Ohio State blah 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 and it's like how about Colorado? <laughs> Here's a school we haven't talked about in 15 years, um, or at least. So it's been really refreshing, and and um, and there's clearly a lot of interest, and I don't think that'll go away uh, completely. It may lose a little buzz. I mean, naturally, right? Like, as the season progresses, we tend to focus on the teams that are in the mix for the playoff, and we'll see if they are in that, if they come close to that. That will certainly dictate it.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code CFBNATION for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, and again, create an account and redeem code CFBNATION for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to DeCoursey today, and I was like, Dion to me is like Shoei Otani. Like, we've never seen anything like it, and it's hard to replicate.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, well, the teams are going to try, right? We're going to see, I would think, this coming coaching carousel, we're going to see schools, first, they're going to try to hire Dion if possible. I don't think he's going to leave after one year, but I could be wrong. Or they're going to try to find their own Dion. And I would just say, I think there's only one Dion. Just a right. combination of, the, the, the accolades, the magnetism, the charisma, um, the fact that he could bring his son with him, who's probably going to be a first-round cornerback, that that's not going to be easy for, for another school to find.
2: Absolutely. So uh, last weekend, obviously, Texas made huge headlines there. I'm not going to make you say Texas is back. Florida State, week one, huge win. Miami, I mean, what's your impressions of those three? You know, I think Texas and Florida State, at least on surface value, playoff contender at least. And uh, is there one of those three that you trust the most maybe this year?
3: I think like Florida State's probably the most ready-made of the three. I mean, I was very high in LSU coming in the season, and I still think LSU will probably have a pretty good season. And it was just such a display of how much talent, right, Mike Norvell has assembled there. I don't know that any coach has used the transfer portal better, more smartly, whatever you want to say than him. That whole offense seemingly is a bunch of transfers and, and they're also in an easier conference to manage. Um, I think, you know, given, given the direction we see Clemson heading in, um, that should be theirs to to win. Um, Texas. I I'm not as skeptical as I was going into the game. I'm not, I was waiting. You know, I don't think you're This is going to be like a Tom Herman eight and five kind of team by any means. Um, We do need to see if they can, Maintain that consistency, but I'm ready to believe that they can be a playoff contender. Miami's probably the one I need to see a little bit more of because I just Texas AM might just be bad. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to take anything away from Miami, but that it might be that uh, they just beat up on another, you know, five and seven AM team.
1: I want to jump into the Pac 12 schools that you have a lot of connections out there over the last, you know, few years living out in California and you know. Dan Wetzel wrote an interesting column, I thought, this week. I don't know if you saw it, that he's kind of speculated, like, the Pac-12 is so good this year. They have so such good TV ratings, such good quarterbacks and everything. If the TV negotiations that took place last offseason took place the next offseason, would we have seen a different outcome? I thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting question to ask, and I was wondering if you had an answer.
3: I think he's right, because... I mean, there were so many thing, things that were, you know, it ended up being bad timing for the Pac-12, but one thing it didn't get discussed enough is how much the perceived value of that conference probably went down because of the playoff drought, right? There's just a real stigma around that conference for the last five or six years that they just aren't that good at football. And, you know, the coaches would tell you otherwise, but at the end of the day, you know, being not being in the playoff, um, Got the low point for me was I was at the 2018 Pac-12 title game. It was to 10 to three Washington over Utah, and it was just like, boy, how did it get this far, fall this far? And you know it had, it had turned up a little bit last year. You know when when Caleb came on the scene, but it was too. It was, it was not enough evidence, right? So yes, I think if the negotiations were taking place next year after what should be a pretty phenomenal season, there's a lot of recency bias, and maybe there would have been more interest. The only thing you can't really handicap is, I mean, I think George Klyovkov and the presidents played their own role in this. It wasn't just like this happened to them; they botched it as badly as they possibly could. And even if it was a more favorable climate, would they have, man, would they have managed it better? Right? Would they have still tried to get some unrealistic amount of money and tick off the networks and all the things that they did wrong? So uh, now well, thinking about the back twelve.
1: Um, Sorry, sorry. Yeah, just one more thing about the Pac-12, trying to get the the playoff drought and trying to end the playoff drought. I'm worried that this year, I think they're the best conference in the country, really, at this point. And I think they're going to cannibalize themselves and potentially box themselves out of the playoff. I mean, I'm looking at the teams who are in contention for a playoff spot. USC has six ranked teams left on their schedule, right? Texas has two. Michigan has two. Georgia has one. Tennessee has one. Uh, Penn State has two, I think. Um, So it's just Washington, I think, has five. So, like, I just – I don't know that they're going to get through, even though they probably deserve a team this year because there's too many good
3: teams all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I think think we're going to start to see some separation once they start playing each other. Like, they had a great non-conference – they've had a great non-conference season and they deserve to have eight teams ranked. at some point they're going to start playing each other and and not a, and somebody's got to lose each week right so i think we'll start to see some separation and some some of those teams maybe aren't as tough as we think they are right now um but this is like it's interesting In the last year of, the, of this configuration will the committee finally do what it's supposed to do and reward teams for playing a tough schedule that's what the whole design of this thing was uh but instead just like bolsters it's been Okay. start with the undefeated teams, then look at the one loss teams and in the SEC in particular, we've seen them often get the benefit of the doubt. So if it turns out the way you said, let's say Washington is an 11 and two Pac-12 champion, uh, but with five top 25 wins, they should get in over one loss Texas who has two top 25 wins. But I'll believe it when I see it.
2: So I was a huge fan of your College Football Federation column. all during the realignment mess and I really enjoyed how you laid it out the 28 teams the four divisions and Bill knows I'm a big NFL guy I've been talking about Jordan Love all week but um, the part at the end when you were answering questions and it said no I don't want to see this happen but I'll still watch it are we headed in that direction where you know with this latest realignment could you see this happening what the scenario you laid out and I mean, I'm not asking you to predict all of this stuff, but I mean, is that plausible that we end up with an NFL light in college football for better or worse?
3: I think it's inevitable and I don't I don't claim to know exactly what form it'll take. But the thing is, as drastically as the sport has changed in the last few years, just in the last few years, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. OK, so now we have NIL now we have transfers immediately eligible going we have a 12 team playoff. I mean, it's staggering, but I don't think we're done. At some point, they're going to have to resolve the question of are the athletes employees? That's going to be decided by a a court or politicians or or whatnot. Revenue sharing. And these things are going to have tremendous impact on what conferences look like going in the forward because it may be that some schools say, yeah, we're on board with that. And some don't. Some say we'd rather, you know, play in like a division three type format. I don't know, like you could see a, a day where there's like a delineation along those lines. But regardless, this round of realignment, you really saw, it was all about brands, it wasn't about cable households, it was about brands. And the logical next step to me is, okay, Fox pulled off this coup where they got the four brands they care about in the PAC 12 into the Big 10, which they own entirely. And it's going to go great. And they're going to get huge ratings. And in seven years, when it comes up, they're gonna say, you know, it'd be even better if we could get Indiana and Northwestern and these schools out of there, and only have the big brands play each other. And so whether that is in the traditional conference model or whether it's more like what i did, which is a premier league uh, model, I think it's going to happen. Are you ready to
0: elevate your college football game day experience? Check out twisted tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation Delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted.
2: Yeah, I thought one of the phrases you had in there too was, and I'm going to mess this up a little bit because I don't have it in front of me, it was that some of these TV execs might be betting on the casual guy in the big city watching USC Ohio State. Is that kind of what you mean in terms of they they we just might once USC and UCLA and them come to the Big Ten that that's what we might want to see more of
3: yeah I think that the network philosophy is biggest brands playing each other every week is going to bring in more casual viewers now you're going to see an alienation of like if you're Oregon State or Washington State and you really do end up in the Mountain West that's going to alienate those fans and and they might say like, why, why should I watch, you know, other college football? But I think the bet by Fox is, and I'm sticking with Fox because they've been more brazen about it is, oh, so what? Like 500,000 less, you know, Oregon state, Washington state fans, but we're going to get 2 million from New York and LA and all these places. And so um, it's, it's a shame, but it's, kind of reflective of, of, uh, you know, everything now, everything in, in is about consolidation and, and, um, and, and, you know, I always bring up the premier league because the, if you, there's a great book called the club about how the premier league was formed, like the business side of it and the parallels to college football between where English soccer was in 1992 and where college football is now are eerie. They're just eerily parallel. And so that's why I always bring up that comparison where at some point, Ohio state, which has always abided by this traditional model of we're a, you know, we're, we're a teammate of Northwestern's and they get whatever we get, they get at some point, you know, business is business. going to say, well, we generate, you know, I don't know what the number is. Let's say 40% of the value of the big 10 contract and they generate two. Why are we making the same amount of money?
1: But eventually if it's all big brands against big brands, half of the big brands are going to lose every week. And now all of a sudden you've got big brands going three and eight, three and nine. And, you know, an 11 and one team is suddenly eight and four. And does that decrease interest from the casual fan instead of seeing a 10 and two team against an 11 and one team? And, you you know, they're top whatever. Half the teams are not going to be in the top
3: anymore. It doesn't seem to affect the NFL. Right. Um, I think that if you were to just if you were to shift that model like today, it would be very jarring but the first, the intermediate step is this 12 team playoff right so the national championship year Ace, used to be you have to go undefeated and even if you went undefeated you might still get left out 2004 auburn and now it's you can't afford to lose two games now we're going to move to a system where like let's say in the, let's say penn state ends up going 9 and 3 this year their fans going to be bummed they thought they could make the playoff they could go 9 and 3 next year and be in the playoff and it's mm-hmm. a successful season right so everybody's going to reset their expectations a little bit where making the playoff is a success and missing the playoff right now, missing the playoff, but going to the citrus bowl is not the worst thing in the world. It'll be a disaster. Coaches are going to get fired for going nine and three and being, you know, 13th (laughs) in the playoff picture. And that is, you know, frankly, kind of like the NFL. Well,
2: I was going to ask too. So as you not, you know, I'm in the central Ohio bubble and bill has to pull me out of it sometimes. So I've been fighting back and forth with him all week about this question and it's early thoughts on Notre Dame-Ohio State, Do if Notre Dame were to beat Ohio State, is that a louder statement than, say, when they beat Clemson in 2020 when Clemson was number one, given that they haven't beat Ohio State in my lifetime, I'm 44, the Buckeyes are the premier program in the Midwest. Is that a louder statement if Sam Hartman and the Irish are able to beat the Buckeyes next week?
3: I think so, because Ohio State is one of those programs that You know, Notre Dame won a lot of games under Brian Kelly, but it always felt like, well, they're not quite at the Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia level. They don't have that much talent. So the Clemson, that was a huge win when they beat Clemson, but it almost got like washed away by the rematch in the, in the conference championship game. So, um, and remember Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the, in the game in South Bend. it seems like Notre Dame's had a lot of like big wins, but they come with a little bit of an asterisk. Um, nothing, there'd be no asterisk here. And as of this moment, like I think they absolutely could win the game because of the quarterback because they have a really accomplished veteran quarterback and Ohio state has a guy who may turn out to be that at some point, but hasn't shown it yet.
1: Yeah. I think that's the difference between this, this game for Notre Dame is their quarterback might be better in one of the big games and Notre Dame's quarterback has not been better in any of these big games over the last 10 years.
3: And that's why it was always the same formula. Like the, um like the Alabama playoff game a couple of years ago where they just ran the ball and tried to hang in there and play good defense and eventually like they did as good a job that year of shutting down Devontae Smith and and you know the guy as much as anyone but they st- scored 6 points right Not
1: Najee Harris uh, except when he was jumping over them that was tough Yeah right.
3: so <laughs> wasn't that Brian Kelly's press conference wasn't he like so what they blow out everybody um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's that's the difference. They have yeah. got a difference-making quarterback now that gives you a chance against a team like that.
1: So, Stu, I wanted to touch on Mel Tucker a little bit. Um, two things kind of occurred to me. First of all, I get your thoughts, just, you know, your reaction when you heard of it and just how unbelievable the story was the more you <laughs> we read it and read it and read it, who it was, where it was. But um, I would just think of myself today, you know, Fox... Just spent what a billion dollars on the league, and then they have this Pat Fitzgerald scandal, and then they have Jim Harbaugh's mini scandal, and then they have Mel Tucker's scandal. Does someone at Fox call up the Big Ten commissioner and be like, Uh, can you get your uh, act together here? We're spending can you a stop billion embarrassing yourself, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, secondly, yeah. one other thing about you, I'll let you talk about that, and then you know, we were taught, Bill and I were talking like, Mark D'Antonio coming back to Michigan State, like this after a scandal when his separation wasn't the cleanest it wasn't like right. when bob stoops left oklahoma and that was that was a clean break he just like stepped away still in good standing uh d'antonio I don't feel like had that same good standing when he left so i thought i was curious that he's coming back to kind of
3: right the ship right after a really big scandal when i was reading this usa Today story which was you know late that night uh saturday night um Obviously, it was really disturbing and really bizarre and my mind. But my mind went to maybe it shouldn't have. But, you know, well, I guess they found their way out of the contract. And and I don't know if I would have said that if they had gone 11 and two last year. But it just it turned so quickly from Mel Tucker being the toast of the town in 2021 to you remember, I mean, not just were they not good last year. The brawl in the tunnel was such a black yeah. eye on him and his program. And now it's like probably a little bit of relief if Michigan state can get out of this huge enormous contract. So, um, the Mark D'Antonio part's interesting. I just, but it's not, it's like, I I've been surprised how there'll be coaches that get fired and are really bitter about it. And then it's like, time heals all wounds. And within a few years they're, they're back. Right. Auburn fired Tommy Tuberville and like two years later, he was like cheering alongside the tiger walk. Like, Uh, Gary Barnett could not have had a worse. There's, there's a great example. Gary Barnett got run out of Colorado. In my opinion, got blamed for some things he never should have been blamed for. And he's now their radio color guy. So it's just like time forgives. Right. And clearly, you know, it's not like D'Antonio went off to another job. He's not nothing else going on and they need his help. And I guess he's, he's ready for that, but man, I'm not sure we've seen a guy's stock plummet as quickly as Mel Tucker's did, and now it's like even even his version of events, his best case scenario, seems to me to be a fireable offense. And I'm not a lawyer, but you know, when your best defense is, yeah, oh, yeah, I did that, but but you know, <laughs> not the way she described it. Um, not good.
1: Especially when she's a vendor and he controls her appointments to the school yeah. and the money she gets, and that's it's just gonna get
3: messy real quick. And he's now gone scorched earth, right? Like mm-hmm. he once he put out that letter that he did. I think he knew, right? Like I'm not gonna, they're not gonna be bringing me back anyway, so I'm just gonna go scorched earth and accuse my employer of a sham process and the stench of Larry Nassar. I mean, it was just like to me, it seemed like he's like, there's an I, ulterior motive. They're trying to, you know, get him a
1: contract. Now so. to him
3: was now it's not about keeping my job. It's about making it as hard on them as possible to make me go away. So yeah,
1: all right. Well, Stu, before I get out of here, I usually do this at the beginning of the show and then give the answer at the end of the show. But we skipped right into all the, the topics. Now we're just going to do it right at the end. It's called the Trochi Trivia, and whenever we have a guest, we have you, uh, you know, Bill compete with the guest to see who no. can get the Trochi Trivia question. I'm giving you an advantage though, Stu. I've heard. You talk about uh, the 1995 Northwestern team. It like really made you fall in love with college football, and you went to the Rose Bowl that year and all that stuff. So, this has this deals with the 1995 Northwestern oh, season. Oh my gosh! I, if I don't get this, I should be, you, be yeah. You've got an it. advantage over yeah. Bill. Um, um, oh, no, it centers on the one game Northwestern lost. The one regular season game they lost. I was there. Okay. It was Miami of Ohio, 30 to 28. Bill's a Mac guy, so be careful. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, Miami of Ohio, 30, Northwestern, 28. Can you name either Miami of Ohio quarterback that played, they used two that day, and the Miami coach? We got three names we're looking for. Randy Walker. Randy uh, Walker is a coach. Can you name either Miami of Ohio quarterback
3: that day? It wasn't Roethlisberger yet, um, Is it? but is it somebody – prominent or is it just a random not name? really not really yeah, no.
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask for the name of the Northwestern long snapper who <laughs> snapped it over the Hunter's head twice set up the winning
1: field goal Set huh? up the
3: winning field goal little, uh, it was Larry Curry I think Larry you'll look that one up later. Well, I don't know the Miami quarterback well, the
1: quarterbacks were Neil Doherty and Sam Ricketts Mm, I do remember Sam Ricketts. They there we go. And Sam Ricketts. Well, I we don't...
2: share we share that then, Stewart. Uh, when I was a junior at Ohio University, Ben Roethlisberger replaced AJ Hawk's Brother came in at halftime, ripped up the Bobcats, ripped up our uh, MAC championship chances, and we are still looking for a MAC title for our first one since 1968. But that was I got to introduce you yeah. to my
3: friend David Clark from high school, from Sycamore High School, who proud OU Bobcat to the point where they still go to like. They try yeah. to go out and see the games, and uh, yeah, he's he's shared that frustration many, many times. That
2: one, that one hurt when Big yeah. Ben. That was the first time I hated Big Ben, and there have been more since. But uh, you know, that one hurt.
1: All right, very good. Well, thanks again, Stu, and thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All America Podcast, brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and for those of you watching on our YouTube channel at CFB Nation. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Uh, You can listen to uh, Stu and Bruce Feldman's podcast at the Audible, and uh, you can read Stu, of course, at The Athletic. Thank you again, and we will see you soon.